So before I start, I just want to pray. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you into this room. We thank you for your light being shined on your word. I thank you that in this season, Lord, that you shine a light so that we can walk in pathways of righteousness, Lord. We can walk directed by you. I thank you, Lord, that you have always provided us with a way. And that way is to walk in you, to walk in truth, to walk in life, to walk in love, and to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. So Holy Spirit, would you just let that light, even right now, illuminate understanding in this room right now. Would you come and shine on the places that we need you to shine on? Holy Spirit, any blind spots? Would you come and shine in them now in Jesus' name? Amen. That's funny. Okay. <laughs> yep. Blind spots. We're going to talk about blind spots. <clears throat> well, as you can see, God starts speaking and has kept speaking about light and life and truth and pathways so much that we've actually renamed our whole internship Luminate. He keeps speaking about his ways, his life, his light, his pathways, the inner world of the heart, which he desires to shine his light on, that we would actually walk into freedom. And so Luminate really encompasses everything that the Lord does throughout the internship and really throughout the church. This is really his desire is to illuminate us, cause us to be the shining ones to shine him, to, to shine him so much that there is no shadow of turning within us, to shine him so much that when people see us, they see him, and then they're not obscured by any of our stuff, right? They're not obscured by the hypocrisy of the church, or they're not obscured by all of the different things. They're not obscured by our pride. They're not obscured, he's not obscured by our performances, but that he shines and that he so shines that people see us and fall in love with him. That's what we want. That's what we want as a community, as a church. That he so shines through us. That when we walk into a room, people want him. They want Jesus. So towards the end of last year, I spoke a number of messages on truth, which is closely connected to or intimately entwined, actually, with light. And when we bring things into the light, we actually bring truth into the equation. We let Jesus into it. When we bring something into the light, we allow truth to come in and correct and bring order. We allow Jesus into a situation. <coughs> Excuse me. John eight twelve. So Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world, Whoever follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. See, the essence of light is life, or the essence of life is light, either way that you look at it. And as I, as I read this, of course, Tinkerbell comes to mind for some reason. It was actually as I was reading back through it, and I just start to get this, this memory um, and I, I didn't remember the whole story all that well, but the Lord just started speaking. You know, Tinkerbell's light started going out. And it was actually growing dim, and it represented her life. So I quickly Googled, like, a little, um, you know, part of the, the movie, Peter Pan. 
to see that part where her light starts getting dim and dim and she's actually dying. And of course, the way that she's brought back to life is through believing, which is then represented or engaged, the belief is engaged through praise, through clapping. And as they clap and as they praise, the light starts to shine and she comes back to life. And of course, the Lord speaks to me through Tinkerbell, so please don't get like offended that Tinkerbell's some sort of, I don't know what Tinkerbell is, a fairy, and like, don't go off on that. Like God spoke to me through Tinkerbell that belief, like empowered by praise, allows us to shine brighter. But we empower through praise. We empower our belief by actually engaging our body and engaging our mouth and engaging our sound in praise. And it actually causes light to shine brighter. And so we go back and it says, they will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then John so loved this teaching of Jesus that in 1 John one, five to six, he repeats it to all the people who hadn't heard Jesus speak it. This message we have heard from him, from Jesus, and now we proclaim it to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all, not even one. And if we say we have fellowship, and that is partnership or communion, and the root word there is union, So if we say that we have union with God, while walking in darkness, we lie and do not practice truth. And this goes back to what Todd was speaking this morning, and if you you haven't listened to it, you'll need to go go and and have a listen. He's talking about the, the darkness or separation from the Lord. We separate ourselves by not walking in the light. We actually choose to step into darkness or step into light is our choice. And when it says that we, we, if we fellowship with him, or if we say that we fellowship with him, or if we say that we're in union with him, but walk in darkness, we lie. You cannot walk in darkness and be in union with light. It can't happen. So in order, but we're the ones who separate ourselves, right? We're the ones who step into darkness. The word light there means to shine or to make manifest, luminousness, fire, light. And we find this all the way back in creation, day one, before the sun and moon were created. In Genesis 1-3, God says, let there be light, and there was light. And there was illumination. There were luminaries. There was happiness and brightness. That's all contained within that word, happiness and brightness, life. Light is connected to creation. It's connected to life. The word of God, the truth of God is connected to the ways of God. It is connected to love himself. Light is connected to knowledge. That is the intimate, revealing knowledge of him. That is the tree of life, the partaking of the tree of life, not the partaking of knowledge of good and evil. Light is connected to intimate knowledge. It illuminates the true Jesus Christ, not the religious one that we've created. When we walk in the light, we see him as he is. 
it's only in the darkness that we see the one that we've created, the religious punishing one, the angry one, the angry God. But in the light, we see him as he is, the true Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shone in our hearts to give light or illumination to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He has shone in our hearts. So God who says, let there be light, he shines that light in our hearts. And in shining that light in our hearts, we actually receive the knowledge, which means we become resolved and we know absolutely. So it's his, when we allow his light to shine in our heart, knowledge comes out where we know absolutely the glory of God in the face of Jesus. We know absolutely. It is so imperative that we know things absolutely, that we actually allow his light to shine so brightly into our hearts that it displaces everything that sets itself above the knowledge of the glory of God. His light Penetrating our heart actually allows us to know absolutely the glory of God as we look at the face of Jesus. That's how we actually allow the light to come in to look at the face of Jesus. In contrast to light is obvious, darkness. And in Hosea 4, 5, it actually says that people perish for a lack of knowledge. People perish for a lack of actually being able to see the intimate knowledge, the knowing of who Jesus is, the knowing of the glory of God. People perish. This is that they are destroyed. And in that whole section of scripture, it actually talks about the people stumbling by day and the prophets stumbling by night. And to me, that speaks of a lack of light. It's interesting thing about the darkness is when we stay too long in the darkness, we lose our way we fail to even recognize anymore without the conviction or the direction of the Holy Spirit that we're even in darkness. We actually do need the voice of prophets. We need the voice of the prophets to warn the church. We need the voice of the prophets to actually say where the right pathways are. We need the voice of the prophets to actually call out the wrong direction that the church is going in and set them on the right pathways, illuminate through the voice of the prophet the right way. We need a body. We need brothers and sisters who will actually call out the speck in our eye. I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that. When we expose things to the light, clarity and peace expel the chaos of hiddenness and obscurity. We can then see the crookedness, the mutation as the light shines on straight ways, bringing everything into the light. James 1.17. And 1.17 is always like a really good verse here. So I've got the 17 in it. Every good, every beneficial gift, and every perfect, complete gift is from above. And above actually means from the very first and from the beginning. 
every beneficial thing and every complete thing from the Lord comes from the very beginning. He always knew and he's always had it ready for you. From the very beginning, coming down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation and no shadow of turning. In other words, every beneficial thing comes from the one who was at the beginning and is light himself, and in him is complete and utter steadiness, absolute steadiness, unchanging. That word there, no variation, means no transmutation. And transmutation is the act of changing something completely into something different. He does not change with the whims of times and seasons, preferences or our offences. He does not change. He is not mood. He is steadfastly the truth. And we can keep making excuses and we can keep butting our heads up against it, but he will not change. He is absolute and he is steadfast. Whatever is brought then into the light is assessed against that which is absolute. And there is power within the light itself to transform that which is mutated when it's brought into the light into straightness. He makes crooked paths straight. The moment we allow something to come back into the light, the light itself has the power to set it straight simply by being in the light. Simply by being in the light. He's so good. In Matthew twenty-two sixteen. 16. <coughs> It says, teacher, we know that you are true. And that word true actually means not concealing. Teacher, we know that you are completely transparent, bearing all, holding nothing back, completely complete, perfectly perfect. And they knew that by just being around him. Teacher, we know that you are true. You are not concealing When it says in him there is no darkness at all, darkness means hiddenness. It means dimness or obscurity, shadiness, shade or shadow. In him there is no hiddenness, no hiding, no keeping back, no darkness, no shadow. To conceal is the opposite of truth. Darkness is the place of concealment. It's the opposite of truth. Darkness is the breeding ground of fear, shame, guilt. It gives room for twistedness and restriction, that inability to breathe, the elephant that sits on the chest. That's like fruit of darkness. That's a fruit of something being hidden or being secret. When we bring things into the light, we actually allow the light of love, because love is light, to expel fear. And as I was preparing this, I went into a slightly terrifying encounter, which luckily I was watching instead of in. So (laughs) I was able to see it from a distance where the Lord started to take me like into a, uh, well, show me, a deep dive, like going into deep caves underwater, diving deeply underwater, and that is not my thing. I can even feel it. (laughs) Anyway, so I'm watching this, and the Lord says this to me, many die in dark caves 
because they can no longer find the plumb line. The way up is no longer obvious. It's not that people just get stuck or lost or injured. It's that in the darkness, they can no longer know which is the right way up when they're facing up or when they're facing down. Once you are disorientated in dark places, there's no plumb line left. There is no way within the darkness to reorientate yourself. You cannot stay in darkness and reorientate yourself and find the way up. The only way to orientate yourself is by light. And in this next season, in the things that are coming, the only way to orientate ourselves is to continue to walk in the light and look at the light. Be focused on the light of Jesus, bringing all things into the light and allowing him to shine on it. If we want genuine fellowship with him, we need to walk in the light and we need to practice truth. That means walk out truth, live in truth. We need to stop making excuses for sin and compromise. We need to stop making excuses for hiddenness because we need his light to light our pathways. We need to be in the light with him so that he shines through us. And as I said, so that people desire him. That people desire him. In Genesis 3, the first time Adam and Eve hid was when they had stepped out of heavenly realms of light and stepped into the realm of knowledge and good, of evil, of good and evil, which is the realm of death and darkness. When he says, you will surely die, they didn't drop dead right then and there. What happens is they stepped into a realm of death. They stepped out of the realm of life and they stepped into the realm of death. At that moment, they then felt the need to hide. They saw that they were now without covering. Because in the light, when we talk about hiding, there is one place where it's safe to hide, in him. Because his light covers us. His light surrounds us. His light is an armour. His light is a weapon. His light is a reward. And that is the place of safety, of hiddenness, is only in hiding ourselves in him. Any other place is to step into darkness. Any other place where we hide ourselves apart from him is darkness, is shadow, is obscurity, is dimness. And then when they hear God walking through the garden, it says they hid themselves from the very presence of God. This is a presence that they knew. This is the only thing that they knew. And yet in having partaken of what they shouldn't have, they felt the need to hide themselves from the very presence of God. And when God calls out to them, where are you? Adam says, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. When we first started um, Field of Dreams, it was probably another six months before I led worship um, in one of our meetings. I was eight months pregnant when we, when we started the church, so it was a little while before I led worship. I, and at that, that stage, I was about 28. I had been leading worship since I was 15. And, um, and I, yeah, I had, I had led worship for a long time, but the first time I stood on this Field of Dreams stage, which was not here, 
I was in a little um, Salvation Army church, actually. Because of the mandate on this church, I stepped in to lead worship, and I was laid bare. Like, I felt naked. I felt the exposing light of the Lord on me, and I realised that I had used many weapons in my past to lead worship. <laughs> I had used some gifting. I had used an ability to, to move the emotion of the room. But when I was laid bare before him, do you have any substance in the spirit? And laid bare before him, I felt naked. The temptation was to put the microphone down and just never do that ever again but I stepped into him. And I realised I didn't need all that much in that place of light. Now, I developed over the years some things, but still, the safest place and the best place to lead worship from or preach from or do anything for his kingdom from is in him, covered in the light of Jesus Christ, where we don't obscure him by any of our own things, but we give glory to him even in our weakness, even in our lack, even in our not having all that much in our hand, but we step into him. The tendency we have when we've missed the mark, when we've stuffed up, or when we want to keep something that is not beneficial, because <laughs> we've traded with it and we've built with it for so long, is to hide. We hide by pretending it's not there, we compartmentalise a part of our life. Well, that's my secular life and I can really do whatever I like over there and, 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 you know, the light doesn't need to shine on that. We hide by ignoring the prompts of the Holy Spirit. We, we hide by justifying it and building a structure around it, usually some sort of religious structure. But worse yet... Sometimes we hide by suggesting that his grace and his mercy permits us to sin or compromise in our life and we weaponize the very grace, the costly grace of Jesus against his holiness. The problem is that as we continue to disobey the Lord's promptings, as we continue to disobey his invitation to bring things into the light, things become obscure. We harden our hearts. We can't tell up from down anymore. Now we have a blind spot. We can no longer see clearly in these areas because they're in the shadows. And the only solution is to bring it into the light, to allow truth to confront it, but what if we don't know anymore? Nothing, nothing can, can show us that thing. It's, it's a blind spot. We literally cannot see that anymore. What do we do? Well, this is when we need our brother to point out the speck. It says, judge not lest you be judged. But then it goes on to say, you hypocrite, because you haven't taken the plank out of your own eye, first take the plank out of your own eye so that you can help your brother get the speck out of his we need our brothers and sisters in love not to judge us but to help us to remove or show us our blind spots. That's love. To shine on that place so that we can actually bring it into the light, confront it with the truth and be changed and transformed and live in victory because that's what he died for. That's what he's done for us. 
We need the prophets to point out the pathways of the Lord. We need truth to be spoken. We need to read the word of God. We need Holy Spirit in our life to confront us with the truth. And we need to know that when he confronts us with the truth, it's because he disciplines the ones he loves. And that we are greatly loved and he greatly desires for us to walk on straight pathways. The word light means to illuminate. It means to bring understanding. So here we are back to truth. Sanctify them in John 17, 17. A really good scripture because now we have the two 17s. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. So truth produces sanctification. It produces holiness. And his word is truth. Truth on the inward parts produces sanctification and not sanctimony. Sanctimony is pride. Sanctimony is the form of truth without the substance of him. It is a religious spirit. Sanctimony is the action of practicing or acting as if one were morally superior to other people and it places itself above and seeks its own glory. But sanctification goes low so that he is lifted high and seeks the glory of the one who lifts him up. See, there, is, there, is, there are facts, and then there is truth, and they produce different things. Truth is him. Truth is the light of Jesus Christ. Truth leads us into sanctification and in holiness, but it doesn't cause us to set ourselves morally above others or consider ourselves superior but it actually causes us to go low to serve others, to bring them high. See, the fruit of truth is so different from the fruit of facts or the fruit of a religious spirit. The fruit of truth is love that lifts up, that shines a light so that you can walk on straight pathways, so that you can walk in the blessing of the Lord, so that you can walk in healing. It is not to shine a light on others so that you can point out their faults for the sake of pointing out their faults. There's a spirit of truth and the spirit of truth is love. And it leads us to the fruits of love. We really need a heart that seeks truth, not tries to get away with a lack of it. We need a heart that seeks the light that seeks holiness and doesn't try to find every loophole available to avoid it, to justify sin or being lukewarm or a lack of pursuit, a lack of diligence, a lack of first love. We just need a heart that's laid bare before the Lord. Show me what I need to know now, that I can walk in your ways, that I can walk in your paths. Can we have the, the pads on? So in our um, second year classes, we've been talking about revival. And we're, we're really starting to, to look at, like, what is the anatomy of revival? What, what ushers a revival in? What is the heart or what is the posture of the people? What are the conditions um, of the world at the time? And we've just been discussing a number of revivals that have, that have happened in the past and, and what they look like. What's the posture 
of the hearts. And last week, as we were talking about the Hebrides, the glory just steps into the room. A bit like that. And in the middle of our discussion, where we're talking about the posture of their hearts, it was this, the posture of their heart to be wholehearted in their desire to be right with God. The revival, amongst other things, began with a question from a young man who cried out, are my hands clean and is my heart pure? And it felt like the very purity of the question asked by this young man, quoted decades later, drew the attention of the favour of the Lord into the room right in that instant. Just like now. Are my hands clean and is my heart pure? And how can we know apart from Him? How can we know apart from Him shining a light on it? How can we know? So then... What was fascinating, we're discussing the revival in the Hebrides from 1949 to 1952. And at about the same time, Charlie Shamp, a prophet in the United States, posted, United States, posted a dream that he had had. Quoting at the very end the same passage of Scripture where the glory had come in to the class. So I want to read to you his whole dream and the excerpt because the dream really highlights the call to consecration. So he had this dream on the 22nd of January, but he only just posted it. He said, last night I had a vivid dream that I was brought to the door of a church. Now just lean into this. And in the dream, it seemed like it was a very important place where revival had taken place in the past. The door was closed tightly with a padlock, firmly keeping the door locked, and it seems like the door had not been opened for a very long time. Interestingly enough, the door was crystal clear and you could clearly see inside that the glory of God was there. I looked to my right and there was a man, wildly rocking backwards and forwards, praying fervently and weeping uncontrollably and I immediately recognised that it was Lou Ingle. And when he saw me, he came over and he hugged me. He said, you made it. I looked at him and said, where are we, Lou? What is this place? Suddenly I knew we were standing in front of the door of Duncan, that Duncan, where Duncan Campbell had preached his sermon. When God steps down, That was the name of the sermon. There's an excerpt later. Lou looked at me and smiled. You can see it. You can hear it. This is the door of hope and it's about to open. He started to cry and again said, Charlie, you didn't lose hope for America. We are going to live in the days of the awe of God in this country. We've been chosen by God to be doorkeepers of awakening. He then handed me a nail and a hammer and said, stand here. And continue to pray with me. When the door opens, they will come and you must pierce every ear before they go through the door. Only those that are marked at the door, at the doorpost will enter. This is a revival of the bride. I then woke up crying from the encounter and I could still feel as though I was holding the hammer and the nail. And this is the excerpt he quotes from. Just as I was walking down the aisle, 
Along with this young deacon who had read the psalm in the barn, he suddenly stood in the aisle and looking up to heaven, he made a courtroom prayer. Looking up to heaven, he said this, God, you can't fail us. God, you can't fail us. You promised to pour water on the thirsty and floods on the dry ground. God, you can't fail us. Soon he was on his knees in the aisle praying and then he fell into a trance once again. Just then the door opened and it was 11 o'clock. The door of the church opened and the local blacksmith came into the church and said, Mr. Campbell, something wonderful has happened. Oh, we were praying that God would pour water on the thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. And listen, he has done it. He has done it. When I went to the door of the church, I saw a congregation of approximately 600 people. Where had they come from? I believe that very night, God swept in Pentecostal power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And what happened in the early days of the apostles was happening again in this parish. There is no coincidence that over the seven months of this year, at least 10 to 12 of us are going to the Hebrides in, in a number of different trips where these revivals came out. And it was on the reading of these that the glory falls in the room. There is a call of God in this season for clean hands and pure hearts. He is drawing us increasingly onto narrow paths in the natural, but broad places in the spirit. It's not a coincidence that quite a few of our second year interns have felt to have their ears pierced over the last year or so independently of each other and only came to light as we're discussing this. That they felt the Lord call them and ask them to consecrate themselves as a bond servant consecrate their lives to the Lord. This is no coincidence that he is moving like this independently on people. It's not, it's not a coincidence that he's calling us into a season of clean hands, pure heart, consecrate yourself, purification. Let his light shine. Let his light shine on the parts that he needs to shine them. Let, let his life correct crooked ways. It says in Proverbs 6, 23, for the commandment is the lamp and the teaching is the light and the reproofs of discipline are the ways of life. It's time to consecrate. It says in Psalm 119.5, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let's walk in it. It says in Psalm 119, 130, the unfolding of your words or the entrance of your words gives life and it imparts understanding to the simple. Holy Spirit breathes. Holy Spirit illuminates. Holy Spirit draws us. The Lord gave me a word in November of last year around Esther. And he said, there's 12 months of preparation. There's 12 months of preparation. He says, there's six of purification. And then he says to me that there's six months of the fragrance of the Lord. But it's for a purpose. 
Six months of consecration, laying down, allowing His light to shine, purification. Lord, what do I need to know? Lord, sanctify me. Lord, pure hands, clean heart. And then there's six months of Him pouring in His Spirit into us that we would know who we are, that we would um, bring out or we would dispel the very fragrance of the Lord wherever we we went, that we're so full of the oil of God and so full of the fragrance of God that it can be smelt and felt wherever we go and it gives glory to Him. But the purpose was this, that we are then prepared to go before kings. We are then prepared to change laws. We are then prepared to make our petitions in the courtrooms and have those petitions granted so that laws and times and seasons would come back into alignment with what He is calling and what He says about the nation of Australia. There is a purpose, there is a reason for the season of consecration and the season of infilling. And that is so that we can change times and laws in accordance with His will. And then of, of Esther, it says, once she's accomplished this, she's gone before the king and there, there are laws in her favour. Not only that, she gets the signet ring and she can make other laws of righteousness. She doesn't just save the nation. She now has the power to bring the nation into righteousness and its full destiny. And it says of her, in Esther 8, 16, it says, and the Jews had light and they had gladness and they had joy and they had honour. And I believe that this season that we're in is really a season where we're called to lay hold, consecrate ourselves and lay hold of the Spirit of the Lord and go before kings to change laws, times and seasons so that the Spirit of the Lord can fall on this nation and it can say of this nation that Australia has light and Australia has gladness and Australia has joy and Australia has honour. This is the season we're in. So I just want to, I just want us all to take communion. And in that, if you were willing, present yourself before the Lord. And I'm just going to pray a prayer, prayer of consecration. If you are not willing, that's fine. Don't. Don't amen it in your heart. (laughs) Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you would choose us for such a time as this. Would you come and speak to us, Holy Spirit? Would you come and shine a light on any areas of our life that we need to consecrate, that we need to lay down, that we need to offer to you? Would you come and shine a light in any places that we're hidden, where we need to bring ourselves to you, would you come and shine a light on any part where we've concealed? 
says you won't put us to shame. You will not put us to shame. But Lord, we choose to lay bare before you because your light covers us. Holy Spirit, would you just come and show us anything that we need to know, even right now? And Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us with your fragrance? We thank you, Jesus. For your body and for your blood, we thank you that you died to empower us. You died to make a way, a connection back to you that we could actually walk in the light. You died to empower us to walk in the light. And we thank you for that. We receive that empowerment. We acknowledge that empowerment, that that you died to empower us to walk in holiness. That you died to empower us to walk with clean hands, with a pure heart. And that Lord, when we fall, there's mercy, but there's mercy to get back up and do it again. Try again. Bring ourselves back before you, not hide ourselves And in all of our failure, in all of our weakness, you don't seek that we hide ourselves, but that we lay ourselves bare before you so that you can lift us up once again. We receive that now, your empowerment. We choose now to walk in the power of your body and your blood, to walk in that power of holiness, that it would give you glory. actually going to give an opportunity just for a moment. If you just need to spend some time before the Lord, and because there's an atmosphere here of consecration and there's an atmosphere of empowerment to surrender, an atmosphere of empowerment to actually step out into the light of those things that you've been hiding back or for those things that you've, you've concealed or those things that you just have hidden just because simply they're a weakness. 
or they're a fault and, 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 and then you've kept that, that back. And he's actually said, will you just bring that forward? Even your mistakes. I was talking to somebody today and the Lord spoke to me a, a long time ago and he says, even your mistakes, you think that you need to hide your mistakes or you think you need to hide your weaknesses. The things that you know, you've done to yourself. And he goes, bring them before me. You can actually bring before you even your mistakes, even your failures, and bring them as worship. He's that good. Even the, 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 the failures, even where you've stuffed up, even where you've been rebellious, he'll allow you to bring that to the altar and go, I give it to you as worship. Don't hide anything from him. Oh, he sees it all anyway. Don't hide anything from him. Don't think anything is too much for him to come and shine his light on and transform. If he's got to burn it so that it disappears, he'll receive it as an offering. Nothing missing, nothing lost. So we're just going to, I'm just going to, we're just going to put on a, a worship song and I just invite you to spend this time to consecrate anything that you need to before the Lord, to bring anything that's, that's hidden. Hiddenness causes us anxiety. Hiddenness causes um, depression. It causes fear. It lurks in the background. It torments us. It holds us to ransom. It threatens us. It keeps us in captivity. So just use this moment to just bring it before the Lord.
altars open, to just come and give it to Him as a prophetic act. Just want to come out the front and give Him anything that you need to, or just stand in that place and consecrate. The altars open for you to do that.
we're just going to play that through one more time. You're dismissed if you need to go, but if you want to stay, you're welcome to.